Hey, this is Sally Helm from the History This Week podcast, encouraging you to A-cast your vote in the upcoming election on November 3rd. If you're not sure if you're registered, you can check out vote.org for your voter status and details about how to make sure your voice is heard on election day. And if you're looking to brush up on issues that impact us around the globe, you should have listened to The World This Week. It is a timely look at what's been happening around the world and why it matters. It's available wherever you get your podcasts. Fulham is back for the season by Ladbrokes. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name is Sammy James and today it is a bank holiday Sammy James living room special. We're going to be looking back at yesterday's defeat up at Wolves and of course talking about ain't nobody like Tom Kearney because he's signed a brand new contract keeping him at Craven Cottage for the next five years or until he signs another contract probably in 12 months time. Um, It was a bit difficult to rally the troops, the Fulhamish boys, for today's podcast. I guess it being bank holiday weekend and all. Uh, Plenty of people had plans, but Fulhamish is the equivalent of Callum Chambers, ever dependable, but he will be here next season. It's Mr. Cam Ramsey. How are you doing, Cam? Very well, very well on this Sunday afternoon, but, you know, a bit jaded after a big football match today. Well, yeah, you've had quite a Sunday. You You were feeling a little bit worse for wear this morning, and then... You went and played a double header of football. Double header, yeah, indeed. We you know one, 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 lost one, scored two goals. But now I'm here, you know, talking with you, Sammy. But also, so it's didn't just win one, lose. One. You, you thrashed them and then got thrashed. It's against the same team. It doesn't, yeah, you know, that's Sunday league, low like smash and grab stuff, really, wasn't it? You know, you doesn't, try, you try and play your ball football, but it doesn't really work, you know, on the floor. So, yeah, that's the way it goes. Sadly, doesn't quite add up. But anyway, right, Cam, uh, lots to get through today, and uh, we've got a bucket load of your questions. Uh, First of all, should we do some three-word reviews from yesterday's game? Of course, we've got to discuss Harvey Elliott yesterday. That was the other thing that I wanted to mention in this podcast. We'll come on to that. I imagine many of the three-word reviews uh, relate to to the young lad. Definitely. We've got one here from Erg Bassani, or Erg Bassani. Nice hair, Harvey. Oh, yeah. His hair is something special, though, isn't it? I quite like the person that tweeted saying um, he's got four haircuts in one. <laughs> he really does. The utility haircut. <laughs> We've got one from Rick Cardis here. Uh, Mitro's Molyneux misfires. Yeah. Uh, which is very apt, actually, because he really wasn't himself yesterday. Um, we've got one from Richard Bamber. You oh, know, good old Richard Bamber. He's only 16. He'll be very upset, Sol Bamber, that he got um, relegated yesterday. Very, very upset, you know, for namesakes. Richard Bamber um, is a big listener to the pod. He often contributes to the three-word reviews. And uh, several times in this podcast, we've called him Sol Bamber. Sol Bamber. I believe, I-, I saw this on Twitter, that he's bought himself a shirt saying Sol Bamber. He hasn't. He has. I want to see this shirt. I think it's on, <laughs> I think it, I think it's online. So fair play. If that is true, I only heard saw this on WhatsApp this morning. Then, Make then yourself fair, known yeah, fair with play, that shirt. Um, another couple one. We've got one from Durs Derpington. Um, Man bun debut. Yep. Yep. That's a that's a good one actually. Toby underscore B underscore one. Stop passing back. <laughs> you know that's quite imperative because it is quite frustrating yesterday. You know. And we've got familiar Fulham feeling from Chris Jetta as well. 
Cool. Well, thank you very much for your three-word reviews. Uh, make sure you get involved after the Newcastle game, your final opportunity to give your trio of words uh, for the rest of the season. Uh, just to say this season, Fulhamish is backed by Labbrooks. Right now, you can download the Labbrooks app and play 1-2-3, a free game where you have to predict three correct Premier League scores, get all three right and win £100. Get just one right and get a free £2 bet. Get two correct for a free £5 bet. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, and also, just a quick one, that uh, next season, uh, we're looking for a, new, a few new bodies to join us in the ranks at Fulhamish. Uh, if you have any skills, uh, video, audio, uh, written, um, graphics, anything like that, and um, you feel like you'd like to contribute to Fulhamish next season, uh, do give us an email, pod at fulhamish.co.uk, or you can give us a DM on Twitter as well. Generally, it helps if you're over 18, but of course, we'll consider anyone uh, that, that get in, gets in touch. Uh, it's always just good to have a few more bodies uh, for the rest of the season. Right, all the admin out of the way, Cam. Let's discuss yesterday's game up at Wolves first off the bat. Just one change, uh, Christy coming in for a doy. Uh, who, of course, picked up concussion uh, in that Cardiff game. Scott Parker believes he'll be back fit for the Newcastle game next week. And there wasn't too much to write home about in the first half. Wolves were definitely the stronger, but Fulham looked very organised, very compact, and we frustrated a very, very talented side. Definitely. No, we were were very, you know, resolute with our defending. We made it hard for them to operate, um, even if, you know, Jota got through a few times and... Uh, missed by whisker on a number of occasions but um, it was one of those occasions for us we just looked a little bit flat and devoid of any creativity yeah and that was frustrating because you know off the bat of three you know fairly conclusive wins as well um, you were looking for a little bit more ingenuity and maybe you know a little bit more heart and desire but what what do you expect really you know it was just an occasion and an environment where we we were going to be attacked at every given opportunity by wolves and we just had to withstand that it was a weird one yesterday wasn't it because i feel like lots of the games recently have had okay we've been relegated but there's been a little bit riding on it the everton game just felt like a come on lads pull your socks up the Bournemouth one was all about the relegation party and let's get our first away win and Cardiff well we know why we were so up for Cardiff and then it got to this Wolves game and it just was like I mean Wolves had something to fight for because they're looking to get European football next season but for Fulham what 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 was there to get excited about yesterday even a win just doesn't change anything apart from the fact now we can't catch Cardiff which is a little bit of a shame it is a bit of a shame but you're completely right in the fact that there was nothing really riding on this game for us at all you know it was just a meh you know deflated you know weird situation I mean I didn't go of course but even watching it at home you know wherever I you know wherever I was on with the laptop I just didn't really feel like I was invested in it (laughs) no you know you you can't you kind of just want this season to be over now it's just whittling down to the last game of the season against Newcastle and you know absolutely fair place to the lads that made their way up to Molyneux but to me it just didn't really seem like a very you know tempting prospect at all to make my way up there no and and, I mean the Newcastle game next week I guess does hold some significance for me I think any game at Craven Cottage just naturally does because you always want to do well at home but it's our final game of the season and and we'll want to go out um, with a bit of a bang so that everyone's in a positive mood for the summer what I thought though from the game yesterday is just if only we'd have been this compact and organized for the rest of the season because 
ultimately we lost but we we kept a, a wolf side at bay Sergio Rico put in a few good saves Yotta looked determined to break down the team on our own but actually for 75 minutes we held out a wolf side when we had absolutely real no m- real motivation in in terms of doing it Scott's got this team just looking so compact and hopefully that plus a bit of a sprinkling of stardust next season in the championship and hopefully just slightly less caliber of teams in which we'll be able to t- attack against I think just it's all positive signs for me well, yesterday's performance it was like we said a little bit uninspired, but you got you can't really fault the you know, the measure of the lads on the pitch. They really did dig deep, even though we didn't actually have so much of a foothold in the game whatsoever in terms of offensive, you know, phases. Um I love watching Joe Bryan in particular. You know, I think he's an absolute asset to us and next season is really gonna to come to prominence. Um, he's really growing into himself and he's enjoying his football and quite evidently, you know, Scott Parker's got the lads on side, regardless of the result or not, they really want to play for him. Yeah, I'd love it if Joe Bryan could get a goal. I think he hasn't scored one all season unless I'm mistaken and that chance actually where he got put through on goal yesterday, it kind of bobbled to him. It was a fierce strike. I think maybe a bit more placement would have been a better idea from Joe in that environment he looked like he was just trying to rip the net off but maybe once he gets that first goal I could see him chipping in with five or six next season well he gets up the flanks so well doesn't he you know he's he's a very industrious fullback and in the sense that he wants to chip in offensively but he also puts himself you know about and makes it difficult for players to get around him when he needs to you know contain and you know be compact defensively but you know, for for a fullback in that position, you sort of see the lights. You know, they're flashing in front of you. Here's my moment to register my first Premier League goal. Um, I just, yeah, maybe a little bit more of a composed technique, but it will come. And next season, I expect him to bag a few goals and assists too. Yeah, it felt a almost at times Fulham were trying to play a back three with Christie in in, in defence, and then kind of Sessignon as like some right wing back. We were so, um, I guess we tilted our formation so much to one side with Joe Bryan so high that Sessignon was almost having to kind of sit back and, and enter that right back void so Christie could come across. And I don't know. I mean, we've tried so many times to make a back three work. And whilst this wasn't a traditional back three in a sense, it, I, it did seem to stifle attacks and didn't really allow us to get forward too much. And also, players like Hotter were really able to exploit some of the space left by Joe Bryan going so high and Christie kind of having to fill in. Well, that's it. I mean, even with Sessignon as well, he's so much more effective in the final third for me. Um, I think when he's actually caught in the centre of the park, you know, in, in the midfield along the channels, he just seems, you know, a little bit alienated in a sense. And, you know, he's always had his physical doubts or, you know, other people have had doubts about his physicality, but in terms of actually squeezing that space and making it extremely difficult for Wolves to actually play play themselves out. He just seems that little bit off the pace and that kind of hinders us. Um, and with Christie, obviously, kind of shuffling across in an odd manner, like crabbing across the back four, to, to, so to speak. We didn't really have much of a structure, but it seemed to work, which is strange for 75 minutes because we did hold out. They did worm their way into the 18-yard box and, you know, quite freely at some times but in a bit of a sharper sharper finish from Hotter and uh, you know Jimenez on the park it would have been would have been a little bit of a route so we can only really 
you know, be thankful to, for the fact that they didn't really have their, their shooting boots on, more or less, you know. It was quite interesting on Match of the Day last night how Scott Parker in his post-match was very positive about everything and was talking about small margins yesterday after after the game and well and we'll come on to things like the Mitrovic miss which actually could have made a big difference and yes there was only one goal between us and so you had the positivity of of Scott Parker I was like okay that's interesting that Scott's seen it that way followed by the negativity of Danny Murphy who who ripped into um some of Fulham's defensive mistakes particularly around the goal and there were just I think the goal did epitomize a bit of Fulham this season about how just easy passes going astray and not tracking your man ultimately is what's cost us in a game and an undone 75 minutes of really good work i think it um is the marsh on who, who goes astray and then joe bryan doesn't pick up uh doherty who's running towards the byline and then kind of between callum chambers and tom kearney no one is watching dendonko it's a good finish but it is very almost poetic that this is the kind of goal that Fulham concede. Well, it's, it's complete lackadaisical, you know, it's work and ethic out there and sadly it has crept back into our, our game yesterday, but um, you can't take anything away from the last game so we have looked so strong and solid and composed and switched on. Apart from the final 10 minutes of Cardiff where it was a car crash. Well, apart, apart from that, but even then, you know, the, the lads needed to step up and Sergio Rico in particular. Yeah, he did. But going back to Wolves, of course, um, I don't, I don't know. It just it just seems like we took our foot off the gas when we really needed to take that impetus going forward. Because, as you said, I mean we're, we're going to come onto it anyway. I mean Mitrovic, with an opportunity being slipped through from Sessignon, he just needs to steady himself, and he just snatched it wildly. Yeah, let's and that come could on. Change the you know the complexion of the time entirely. It's just such a shame. What has happened with Mitrovic? Because no goal in open play since January. Of course, he scored the penalty, which he did assist. Um, against Bournemouth. It did come around from good work by him inside the box. He missed a sitter last week against Cardiff, which had it not been for a spectacular effort by Ryan Babel, potentially costs us the win there. And then I'd argue that him missing yesterday costs us, if not all three points, then definitely a point yesterday. Who knows whether Wolves would have come back into the match with so much um, riding on it. And Sergio Rico at times this season has got a lot of stick for costing us points and he has cost us points I guess the the game against West Ham undoubtedly um, big error against Southampton two crucial games in our in our season where we potentially could have turned it round even the Spurs game where a ball bounces in a six yard box and there's there's no dominance from, from Rico and and Rico continues to get a lot of flack from the fans and you could argue, well, that's because he's cost us points. So is Mitrovic. And at what point do we have to say about Mitrovic that it's not just a lack of service? It's not just, um, oh, he's got in a difficult position in an underperforming team. And, and just actually say, you can't be blazing chances like that over the bar. At least make the keeper work. You'd understand if it was a great save or if it hit the post or something. But he's he's skied massive chances he was just so goal shy you know you're seeing him in front of the target now he doesn't actually look like he knows what he needs to do with the ball you know and we know exactly what he's capable of he's one of the most you know potent strikers outside of the top seven arguably in the Premier League but it just hasn't come to him in the last couple of games 
and you know there's so much riding and there's so much onus on him becoming and being such a pivotal you know tool for us up up front there's so much more to his game that meets the eye you know the work off the ball he's a huge huge problem for defenders to deal with but when you need someone like that in the 18 yard box you know free under no pressure whatsoever really he's being closed but you've got to make the keeper work Claire you know and He'll be kicking himself, you know, he'll be watching that back and he knows exactly what's expected of him as well in that position. And you're right, I mean, that kind of blew potentially three points for us and a little bit more of an upward inflection towards the end of the season. So, As long as, I guess for me, the thing with Mitrovic is if he stays next season, it still will be great. And, and if he's going to have this bad run of form, I'd rather it be now than at the beginning of next season. But I feel like if it's Scott, gets the job and if it's Mitrovic that stays quite a lot of ifs in there he needs to work out a way to get Mitrovic back in the zone because I think he's quite a streaky player I think we saw the good side of him in the last six months of last season when he joined on loan and that kind of extended into the beginning of this season where he was single-handedly really keeping us in games and now he's in a point where he's very very low on confidence and we just need to find a way and Scott needs to find a way. I, I don't know if it's, if he's the kind of player that you just got to put an arm around him or if it's just simply a case of um, really giving him that confidence that actually, no, you're the man at this level and you can score 30 goals and you will be the the main player in the championship this season. What, what do you think? What, what kind of encouragement do you think Mitro needs? I, I, I feel like he is a very much a, stick your arm around him tell him he's great kind of player I think he'll feed off like an impassioned you know stance from someone like Scott Parker because when the players and the strikers down on confidence in particular they definitely need somebody to tell them where they're, where they're going wrong but where they can also go right again um, it's also about the personnel around you as well because Mitrovic he always comes to collect you know deeper from where he's used, you know usually supposed to be he's supposed to be dwelling on the periphery of the 18 yard box you know being a nuisance for centre half but he's always coming back to support the likes of Kearney in terms of actually knitting play together and I think that somebody else in that squad needs to do what Mitrovic does in a sense is to hold the ball up wait for a little bit more support so someone like Mitrovic can just dart straight into the box I mean get balls in to him you know very regularly and that doesn't happen enough I feel no and I and I guess it is one thing to berate someone like Mitrovic when he misses the one chance he gets if he missed five or six chances then maybe that our, our, our criticism would be valid but yeah certainly something that Scott needs to look at and with Ryan Sessegnon clearly lacking in confidence it does feel like at the moment the only player that's going to do anything positive for us in an attacking sense to a point Tom Kearney but mainly Ryan Babel and actually he hit the post right at the end of the game and it was a very harsh handball decision for why it actually never would have counted but it does feel like if it's not for Babel at the moment we aren't going to create too much we haven't really got that kind of you know firepower up top at the moment and that genuinely needs to come back to us next season because we're going to be pushed to the wire and we're going to need goals to get us out of some very difficult situations we can't just sit back and soak up relentless pressure and I fear if we are to lose Mitrovic if we you know hypothetically to lose most of our attacking you know free in assessing on I know Kearney staying of course um where where are the goals going to come from and who are we going to bring in that's going to be able to do a sufficient enough job because these lads are so, so critical to us. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's come on to Tom Kearney. Um, 
on Friday, quite unexpectedly, it was announced by the club uh, in the afternoon that he has signed a new contract, not an extension, but he signed a new contract uh, that keeps him keeps him at Craven Cottage is such a loose term when it comes to modern football but that's that's the spiel uh until the summer of 2024 now I'm very happy about this in the first instance because I think Tom Kearney is going to be let, let, actually let's just come on to Tom Kearney why it's important for him to stay afterwards I'm going to ask you a bit about how I think it's quite peculiar but Tom Kearney staying first and foremost that's great definitely you know he's kind of a weird in embodiment of Fulham you know he's not necessarily a grab the game by the horns kind of captain but he's definitely somebody that makes that difference and whenever he's on the pitch he's influential and we need to build a squad around him definitely you know he's a metronome he keeps things ticking over and he seems to have a great rapport and connection with obviously the fans ourselves and and the lads around him too um you know, I was absolutely ecstatic when I found out the news because you weren't really too sure what's going to happen with him. Was he going to be moving on to potentially a West Ham sitting on their bench? But no, he's been given, you know, that right and, you know, that kind of opportunity to be the man that we know he can be. And that is basically our talisman in the midfield. I was quite surprised and I've been proven wrong a little bit because it wasn't too long ago where I came on here and someone said, well, you know, he's settled in the area, he's having a baby, why would he move? And I cynically said, "He's a pre- if, if he, <laughs> when you're a Premier League footballer on that kind of money, up moving up sticks, I don't know, to the northwest or something isn't that big a deal. But he did go on and stress about how important his connection with the club and being settled somewhere is to him. And and, I, and he does seem like very much a family man and his family are very happy with, with what's happening at the moment. So I guess that has played a part. Plus also maybe just the, almost the Wilfred Zaha recognition of I would rather be the main man at a club that loves me than go to another club where I don't know what's going to happen and and I can't predict the future and it may not be a great move for me. Yeah, I mean, it speaks volumes of his, you know, professionality and exactly what he wants out of his profession and that is to be, you know, admired, is to be revered, is to be that man in the dressing room and on the pitch, which is so highly regarded. And what's the point of going to a club where you may not get that kind of recognition? At Fulham, he's definitely going to get it and he will until 2024 and maybe even beyond, who knows? But... For me, it was integral that we kept him, you know, move with the baby here now as well. No, it might not necessarily have too much of a bearing on his decision, but he's got a stability in a sense that he's not going to be disrupted. He can just get on with his job and he can raise his, he can raise little Aubrey as well. So, you know, it's fantastic news all around, really. Yeah. The thing I want to come on to is it's great that he's committed his future and if this was just the club trying to show to the rest of the world that actually we are here um, to really challenge next season and we mean business, then I guess that's one thing. But Tom Kearney's original contract when he signed uh, in 2015 is still valid. And he signed a brand new contract last summer, which was a really long-term one, and it kept him for till 2023 with the option of another year now he's committed till 2024 with the option of another year this wasn't a renewal this wasn't um a, a small change to the existing contract this is a brand new offer and if the papers are to be believed he now won't 
receive a wage drop going into next season. So he's going to be pretty highly paid for a, for a championship player. He's going to be getting Premier League money in the championship. Is this a necessary step from Fulham? It seems quite reckless. It, and with FFP and all the restrictions that are going to be on us next season... I'm I'm playing devil's advocate a little bit, but is it the most sensible move from Fulham? It seems a bit mad that he's getting a brand new contract only 12 months after signing a bumper one. In terms of his importance, you know, in keeping him at the club, it may be positive because he may he may well have demanded that money. We don't really know. But what does it imply in terms of our, you know, investment going forward now as well? You've you've mentioned financial fair play could come into effect if we are to carry on, you know, spending and splashing the money that we had done. You know, there there are players around him as well that maybe if they don't get this a similar kind of contract renewal or extension, however you want to play it, and their, you know, their wages are still being slashed. How does that how does that weigh up as well? It's it's oh, yeah. really strange. It maybe cause a, a little bit of divide, you know, like favoritism. Well, you always know that ruining a wage structure at a club is a very very quick way to ruin morale within a squad. And and it was part of what happened, you know, when Berbatov signed for Fulham. It really kind of broke quite a lot of the wage structure that was there already and you know scott parker was in the championship earning 60k a week because there was no relegation clause on his contract and i'm sure the club have been sensible on this but it just my instant thought was this is great but it seems something didn't quite add up for me in that sense one other thing i want to discuss with the scott um sorry tom kearney thing coming on to scott parker do you think this is another indication that Scott's going to be the man to get the job. Would Tom Kearney have signed a contract with it still being uncertain as to who is going to be the coach next season? See, it's odd because Tom's already come out in his post-match pressers before and he said how much the lads love playing for Scott Parker. He's instilled that identity and philosophy which has been lost for so long this season. So I couldn't imagine him signing a contract and he didn't know what was going to be happening next season in terms of management, how the team is going to be set up, where he's going to be, what his importance will be. It almost seems like he he knows, even if he doesn't, you know, necessarily know forthright, but subliminally that Scott is going to be given the job. And yeah. that, that can only be positive, right? Well, I think at this stage, I now just don't know who else you can get in. And it was interesting to hear the discussion on the podcast last week that Jack hosted where I, I thought Jack was spot on in what he said about the main ace that Scott has in his pack is the fact that the team really seem to like him and they are playing for him. And actually, if Fulham are to keep hold of the crown jewels next summer, and that is probably the best way that Fulham that will be able to mount some sort of promotion challenge is by keeping Scott and if you put an unknown manager into the equation who knows what departures that might lead to and and that probably is the the strongest argument that Scott has in for keeping him in the job and I I just don't see who else now is going to come in given that Scott has that trump card I mean who else has really been touted 
that is really standing off the page to you at Steve all. Steve Clark? Steve Clark, no way. Yeah, I know. Even if he came to the club, he'd be second to Scott in my book. You know, Scott's at the club now. He's been given the opportunity to set a blueprint and foundation for next season. Slowly but surely, we're starting to get ourselves back into a positive vein of form, even though it doesn't mean anything, but it's yeah. great momentum. It's almost like a pre-pre-season. <laughs> Why would you want to change that after fairly positive end of the season, despite what's happened to us? You know, you want to build on that. You want to make it a, you know, a fortress again at the cottage like it was last season. Yeah. You know, I think Scotty's got, he's got the right mix and he's got the right chemistry within the squad at the moment. And all we need to do is keep this core camp together. And I don't see us, you know, having any problems in the championship whatsoever. No, I, I've changed my tune a little bit. And, and I would definitely a few weeks ago was umming and ahhing about caretaker managers. And I think that it's a slightly dangerous game to play because it doesn't tend to end well when you make a caretaker manager, the permanent manager. But I have changed my tune because I just don't see who else. And uh, interesting to see that uh, the person that I've been shouting about for months and months, David Wagner, has uh, has gone to Schalke this week. So yeah. uh, you can very much tick him off the list. Um, finally, from the Wolves game, Harvey Elliott making his uh, debut. He is now the youngest player in Premier League history, 16 years and 30 days. Uh, he's beaten our very own Matthew Briggs uh, by about a month to become the youngest player in Premier League history. Now, uh, probably Matthew Briggs is not the kind of player that uh, Harvey Elliott wants to be eclipsing as he's playing uh, in eighth tier football um, at the moment. Uh, we've spoken a bit about Harvey's perceived mentality. Um, however, it's an incredible achievement, a proud day for him. Uh, much has been made of his hair. Uh, <laughs> what, what, did, what did you make of it? Well, I've always wanted to see him. You know, since he's been in the team's, you know, the team sheet on the bench, it's just been a matter of time. Mm. Even if he got just those couple of minutes, which he did, it's always great experience for him to get on that pitch. Even if he doesn't influence it in any way whatsoever, it's, you know, he's blooded to a sense now, and he's definitely part of the plans at the club. And we know that, you know, he's highly regarded at Mottsburg Park. You know. Allegedly, he's been courted by Manchester City, Barcelona. So he's he's renowned across Europe as well, being a top young talent. And it's always great to have a record breaker, a young record breaker at Fulham like we have. And we've shared that with Matthew Briggs, of course, but keeping that kind of legacy going. And I'm sure next season he'll get further opportunities, maybe even against Newcastle, you know, maybe get 20 minutes or so. Mm. Just have a run around and see if he can you know dust a little bit of magic on the pitch and make something happen in addition to Harvey Elliott who by the way now has a 100% pass completion uh, in, <laughs> in professional football so congratulations Harvey that's one hell of a statistic hopefully you can keep that up against Newcastle I would like to see Steven Sess get on the pitch and I know that I don't think just dropping him in to start next Sunday is the right move he needs to be slowly integrated but I think if you're going to if you're going to be giving minutes to Harvey Elliott you need to be giving some minutes to Steven Sessegnon as well and I, I would love it if he could make a 10-15 minute cameo against Newcastle there's nothing left to play for now there's you, know, you can't even move up a position or down a position in the table so there's no there's no monetary value in any win uh, or defeat against Newcastle next weekend apart from a bit of pride so it'd be nice to see also Steven Sessegnon in addition to Harvey Elliott get some minutes next weekend completely yeah I mean Steve Sess is a player that I really really like you yeah. know watching him look was it 
the under seventeen World Cup. He yeah, he was brilliant. He chipped in with some absolutely fantastic assists, and he looked very assured and confident as mm. well. And for me, I feel he can do a better job than <laughs> he can do a better job than Christie. Yeah, or a Doyle. He's an out and out right back. You know, I I don't even I don't even feel if Christie believes that he's a proper right back. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know if, if he feels that he can defend competently anyway. He seems a little bit more in tune with attacking than defending. But Maybe I thought Christie was okay. Yes, yesterday. yesterday he was he was great. Yeah, and. Um, he definitely uh, was pretty angry with Hotter when uh, for that dive in the first half, which was blatant in my book, although not quite as blatant as Fabinho's uh, yesterday. Oh, in don't the, get yeah. started on that. We'll leave yeah. it there. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was pretty disgraceful. But the Liverpool train marches on. Right, uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then after the break, uh, we've got a load of your questions from Instagram and Twitter. Hi, this is Leisha. And this is Kate. From the podcast Pants. We're begging you to A cast your vote in the upcoming election on November 3rd. And please check your registration status at vote.org and plan to get to the polls on election day. If you're looking for a podcast to get yourself up to speed, please check out the NPR Politics Podcast. It's a personal favorite. Get out there and A cast your vote. Pants. Pants. Fulhamish has teamed up once again with Beer52 to offer you guys a free crate of craft beer. Just go to beer52.com forward slash Fulham and all you need to do is pay the postage and packaging which is $5.95 and you get a free crate of eight delicious craft beers from all around the world. There's no minimum commitment. You can just buy the free case, try the beers and see what you think and if it's not for you, you can pause or cancel anytime. So go to beer52.com forward slash Fulham and claim your free case today. Hello, I'm Lucas Piazon, and when I'm not winding up Reading fans, I'm listening to Fulhamish Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Fulhamish Podcast. Sammy James here with Cam Ramsey, live from a living room. Afternoon, everybody. Afternoon. How are you doing? You still feeling a bit jaded or are you getting there? I'm warmed up now. Okay, good stuff. <laughs> I um, I offered to make Cam a tea when he arrived and then I realised, did that classic thing where I had no milk in the fridge. So he's had to have a black tea and I feel a little bit embarrassed by my lack of hospitality. Don't be silly. Detox after a heavy night. <laughs> <laughs> right. Loads of your questions coming in. So uh, we're going to dedicate the rest of the show to answering them. This season, uh, the questions on Fulhamish are b- sponsored by Putney Pies, the finest pies in all of the land. Quote, who ate all the pies when you get your bill and you can get 10% off your food on match days. So if you're coming up to the Newcastle game, final opportunity to use the code, head down to Putney Pies, get some grub before or after the match. Uh, you can get a little bit of a discount thanks to Fulhamish and uh, much appreciated to Putney Pies for backing us this season. It is uh, hugely, hugely appreciated. It feels mad that the season's coming to an end and uh, I guess Fulhamish will take a little bit of a break for for a month or so and uh, I think it's going to be a much needed respite uh, for everyone fans players uh, podcasters uh, alike no I'll still be chipping in yeah, yeah. I'll, st- I'll still be chipping in I've got my well, you know, tenuous transfer pieces I'm going to be putting out so. well this is the time of the year where Cam Ramsey really comes into his own with his uh, rumour roundups definitely trawling the internet and all the you know the various newspapers for any kind of glimmer you know in terms of Fulham which Azerbaijani left back from Serie C will Fulham be linked with this <laughs> summer there's only one place to find out and that is of course Cam Ramsey's transfers right on to the questions uh, mostly taking them from Insta today there are a couple from Twitter to take as well so okay this is uh, a question that we've received from a lot of people um 
Andrew Wind has uh, messaged something similar. This one is from Nick Piercy, though. Um, we also had it from Matt Roberts on Twitter. Nick Piercy said, what's happening with season tickets? All gone very quiet. Nick, I'll be honest, I haven't got the foggiest. Cam, any ideas? Not a Scooby-Doo. Not a Scoobies at all. It is a bit mad. I mean, it is that we're into May and we have no idea. It's clearly connected to the Riverside stand, um, which is due to be developed next year, although we've still had no confirmation from the club as to exactly what is happening. I feel like this week something has to come out before the final home game of the season i feel like the club has to make some sort of statement i know that the uh, fulham supporters trust have their agm on tuesday I, I don't know if there's any representatives from the club who go down to that but maybe some more information might come through after that because i imagine season tickets and the riverside development and ticket prices will be very high on their agenda so I would suggest keeping a close eye on the Fulham Supporters Trust for, for any info, but they have to announce something this week. It's, it's getting a bit silly. We need a little bit of clarity, don't we? Yeah. You know, especially if they could be at a bit of a premium as well. Mm. You want to get those season ticket renewals in, or if you're looking to actually purchase your first one like I am, Yeah, I really, really want to know. You know? <laughs> I was thinking about this, and, and mate, people might disagree with me here, but and I, I was having this chat with my dad. I said, clearly the club are having some issues at the moment, whether it's the relocation or whether it's the logistics of trying to get the development underway. And it's a difficult project because, I mean, I'm no building expert, but when you have a river and a, and a Premier League football pitch, championship football pitch, in your way of, of development of a massive construction project, it ain't the easiest. And if there's been problems that fulham have discovered that they didn't know about is it the end of the world to wait another season we've waited so many years why not just take another 12 months make sure that every box is ticked so that development can start this time next year and and will be and everyone knows where they stand rather than this kind of perceived last minute dash to to get everything in place i i i wouldn't be massively against it if they just take one more year we don't want it to be shrouded in doubt and obscurity for much longer, do we? I mean, I would not be adverse to waiting another couple of years even, you know, a season or so, just to make sure that we've got the foundations perfect. Yeah. And we're not going to have any kind of hidden hidden problems that are going to bite us in the backside. Well, because the worst thing would be if then we start this and then more problems come out of the woodwork because there just was a, a lack of preparation into building the stands and then it, there's delays and it starts get you know becoming a job that starts becoming into two years three years I, I just i don't feel like there's a mad immediate rush to do this get everything in place for, as far as i'm concerned people will no doubt disagree we don't want a tottenham conundrum really do we not really no you know and we're going to be playing without a, a side of our stadium for for a considerable amount of time and I, I would just be on the side of you know making sure everything's I, all eyes dotted and t's crossed okay moving on um ollie sounders is it finally time to give a bit of praise to big tony he seems to sort out contracts quite well well we kind of touched on this earlier in the show with the contracts he does deserve some praise he seems that he's keeping the camp together you know those players that are so critical as next season what's going to happen with steph joe and- <laughs> 
Well, he scored today for uh, West Brom. West Brom. Um, I would have thought that Steph Joe is staying next season and will become quite a key part of the team. Especially, and, uh, he isn't a direct replacement for for Callum Chambers, who who will be departing. But you could, um, I would quite like to see if Angisa and Johansson can do a job. And, and maybe there are those that are more tactically aware who would uh, come on here and tell me why that is a ludicrous suggestion. <laughs> but I would imagine that Johansson's got a part to play next season and but i think it is i think i think ollie's kind of right that yes um they do seem to be quite good at um keeping players at fulham and this summer is a massive massive test for them we know that they want to keep sessignon we know that they want to keep mitrovic let's see if they can it's a massive test for tony and if he comes out of this summer keeping the kind of holy trio and uh with a few more additions here and there then He's done a great job, but we'll have to wait and see. I'll offer him glowing plaudits if we, you know, manage to retain Steph Joe services, services, K-Max services. Mm. That's when I'm. That's when I'm more inclined to give him some, you know, proper praise and a pat on the back. But for the time being, just carrying on the right direction, and hopefully we can we can keep the camp together. This is an interesting one from Dan Green. Chances of Rodak being our number one next season. Uh, Rotherham. I believe it's Rotherham. Yes. Uh, rate him very, very highly. Um, and he's done he's done a great job for them. It's not a ludicrous shout. I mean, obviously, Bettinelli should be coming back from injury. Um, I don't think we'll manage to keep hold of Sergio Rico, even if he does seem to be quite a big fan of London. I'm, I still feel that Bettinelli is the man for the championship, though. Yeah. Really is. I mean, it might be a little bit too soon for Rodak to come straight into the first squad, but be in that first team environment again on the bench you know we've had we've had a weird dilemma this season with the keepers so it could well arise next year we'll just keep chopping and changing so I'm, I'm sure he gets opportunities but he won't start for me next year yeah well certainly um though you'd imagine he will be the number two you, you'd have thought and i guess great to have that competition in the squad and if Bettinelli does drop off in form then you you have a, a seemingly very able goalkeeper who's come through our system and um, happy days um, with TC signing this is from Vince uh, Leander with TC signing until 2024 if you could pick only one more to sign the same deal then who great question Vince that's an awesome question and um, I think it definitely has to come from Mitrovic for me not Cess not Cess I still feel that Cess's career lies elsewhere but someone like Mitrovic if he was to sign a, another long term deal he could really build a dynasty up top for us mm. you know I, I just don't feel I just don't feel Cess is uh, you know he's, he's not going to be around for that much longer I don't believe Is I'm going to throw a curveball to Vince's question if you could include our current loans in that question would there be anyone else who, and this is just completely hypothetical, is there anyone else who potentially you would rather give a new five-year spanking contract to rather than Mitrovic? Chambers. As that was, this is kind of where I was leading you. Would you rather Chambers or Mitrovic? <laughs> I'd still rather Mitro. I really would. I'd still rather Mitro. I think Chambers has done a fantastic job being a deputy kind of anchor man in the midfield, mm. but we still need somebody to bang the goals in. Yeah. And Chambers sadly isn't that man. No, he does a t- entirely different job. Purely hypothetical. I yeah, know, yeah. I know that we have no chance of uh, signing Chambers next <laughs> year. Um, couple of questions on Harvey Elliott. Uh, Sebi Clark, will Harvey Elliott be as good as Sessignon was last year? Best of Fulham FC. How much will Harvey Elliott play um, next year? Um, do we see Harvey getting 
a lot of chances in the championship. It's not when you're going for promotion and, and things are tight. It isn't the greatest environment to be bringing through tons and tons of youth players, as we've seen with everyone bar Ryan Sessignon in the past couple of years. You want to make sure the squad's in a positive vein, first of all, because you don't want to be throwing a 16-year-old into an environment where he could potentially have his career crushed. Mm. You know, he's he's got a lot of talent and a lot of potential, but I don't see him being an absolute, you know, critical player for us next season, but he definitely gets opportunities. You just need to manage it in the right way and ensure that, you know, his career moves and in the right direction. I don't want to see him get crushed because he's such such a, a vibrant talent. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, similar to what we've already answered, but... Uh, Harry says, if you could bring back one low knee or babble for next season, which one would you bring? That's a tough one because I've already said Chambers, but I'd love to see Babel stay next season. Yeah, I, really, so I. I, I really would. He's got such a great connection with Mitrovic and Cesc Kearney. He's bedded in so well. It would be a, such a shame to see him leave because, you know, I, I think he'd enjoy it at Fulham for another year at least. I really do, but seems that he's been led astray elsewhere so mm. it's a shame uh, Archie Bilby can we still stay up <laughs> yeah definitely yeah why three not three points against Newcastle I think there's every chance we can stay up just you know by, the, by the league why yeah, not as long as they give us nine points for the win then uh, I think we've got every chance uh, even then have we got uh, you no know. no we need more <laughs> We did more than nine. Points. It would be lovely, wouldn't it? If the Premier League just turned around and all right, lads, go on. Final it. day, final day of the season. If you win, you get fifteen points. That's then, an ultimatum, isn't then, it? Then we'd be up. Then yeah. we'd be up for it. Um, I've got a question. Go on. Uh, championship playoffs were confirmed today, so it's going to be Leeds versus Derby and Villa versus West Brom in the two semi-finals. Who would you most like to go up? Who would you least like to go up? Got to consider a couple of factors. Um, Obviously, um, whoever goes up won't be competition for us next year. Um, but also there's just kind of the factor of, do you like the club or not like the club? I'd and the way days you've got to think of as well. I'd like Derby to go up. Okay. Because they've been teetering on that for such a while now. And I hate to admit it, I really do as a Fulham fan, but Jody Morris and Frank Lampard have done a fantastic job there. Maybe it's a little bit too soon for them in mm. terms of their blueprints and everything, but... I wouldn't be adverse to them going up. I would not want Leeds United to go up. Okay. Keep them where they are. It's just funny. But okay, the thing is here, I, I'm, I'm in agreement with, I'm in agreement with you in some sense, but then I was thinking about this earlier. Leeds are going to be a danger again next season because, well, it depends if Bielsa stays, but if Bielsa stays, they're always going to be a threat. And is it not better to just cut them off? Same with Villa as well, who are always going to be strong is it not better just to have a cleaner run? Because I think teams like West Brom and Derby may not be as strong next season, but I'd be worried about Villa and Leeds. I still think with Derby though, with the connections that they've got now with Frank Lampard, mm. obviously being there, they're only going to get stronger for me. I, I, I don't, I see them just growing as a club and becoming a lot more of a potent force. Aston Villa, they're a club that I, I feel that last season we had the better of. We know how to play against them. I wouldn't be too worried about them at all. They're kind of irrelevant, really. <laughs> I also just can't. I can't have Villa going up. I can't take the chippy fans on Twitter giving 
given it large to Fulham for the entire summer. I just don't know if I can quite bear that. After, after the playoff final last season, there's no grace in their defeat whatsoever. No. There really wasn't. And that really griped me because I'd like to think if we lost on that day, I'd give it to them. All right, lads, well done. Enjoy your time in the championship. I mean, Premier League more like. But all I got was a barrage of abuse mm. and that's kind of stuck with me ever since. So I also, I, I still absolutely love the Villa fan who held such a grudge against Jack as in Jack Collins from the podcast. Oh yeah. Um, for sending him an emoji after the Jack, I think sent a, a waving emoji maybe to this Villa fan who'd given him Jack a load of stick. And then uh, only a month ago, uh, this Villa fan uh, trawled through his entire Twitter to go back and find Jack to give him another torrent of abuse. And Jack was like, I sent an emoji. Like, It's so sad though, isn't it? Because yeah. <laughs> there's no malice in a little waving emoji at all, is there? So, so where do these people get, the, get their anger from? Who knows? So yeah, really, really difficult one. I would probably, oh, maybe I would be tempted Maybe I would agree with Derby. I think West Brom are buggered if they don't go up next season and won't be a threat. Derby still could be a threat, and I just can't stomach one of Leeds or uh, Leeds or Villa going up. General consensus, I think that's uh, agreed upon. Yeah, definitely. Come on, Frank, do the business. Also, uh, can you imagine Frank Lampard at, at Craven Cottage? He'll he'll find a way to score. Even if he's the, even if he's on the touchlines, he'll find a way to score and celebrate in front of the Hammers. You can just see him rattling one in top left from the technoquary, yeah. couldn't you? <laughs> and it would still stand, and that would be the most <laughs> painful thing ever. Or if but, Derby score in the last minute, you just know he's going to run up the touchline, Jose Mourinho style, and do a knee slide in front of the Hammers. He'll end. give it large, wouldn't he? Oh my word! Um, okay, couple of last ones before for the end. Um, Jimmy says, will we, will we be playing at the Cottage next season? Some rumours we won't be. I, I, I'm not worried about this. Of course we will be. There's no... Some of this, we're going to Loftus Road or Stamford Bridge nonsense. Fulham Park Rangers, yeah. I, 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 <laughs> I just cannot see that happening in, in, in any way, um, shape or form. But maybe uh, maybe I'll be proven wrong. Uh, George Styles, where will we finish next season? I'd like us to get playoffs. Yeah, I think I think obviously you'd love top two, but I think I think we are good enough for the playoffs next season. I really, really do. Definitely, it's just how we it's how we react next year. We need to start strong because you know a strong start sets you up so well. Yeah. And last time we relegated, we really underestimated the championship, but now we know what it's all about. Yeah. I I, I believe you know a third or a fourth maybe next year, mm. and that would be a strong that would be a strong you know. I really want. I'd love automatic. I loved the playoffs last year, but next year for me, I'd bloody love the automatics if we could. Just it's, let's 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 forget the lottery. We did the playoffs. We did Wembley next season. Let's just get back. And you don't want that. You don't want that memory of Wembley to be tarnished in any way, do yeah. you? So it's a strange one. I'd love us to get playoffs, but. I agree. You know, a first or a second would be absolutely amazing. Yeah, just, it would be. Just to spare that heartache or potential heartache. Interesting one, by the way, just as we've recorded this pod, uh, Huddersfield have got a point against United. What's the score? 1-0. 1-0. Go on, Huddersfield. Do it for the boys. Come yeah. on. The championship's <laughs> with you. <laughs> Maybe we're not going to be the only ones uh, going into next season on, on a good vein of form. Uh, final word from you. Uh, how gutted were you to see Cardiff go down yesterday? Not very. No, neither. Not very at all. <laughs> Honestly, amazing videos of Warnock, though, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. The guy's 
off his trolley. I don't understand that Warnock video. I don't. I also don't understand why I decided to make a video mashup of him and Liam Gallagher uh, to to live forever. It's done quite well on my Twitter, but not as well as the guy that made Bittersweet Symphony. That's that's stunning. <laughs> they both work so well, though. I mean, if you haven't seen Sammy's video, give it a watch. <laughs> it works perfectly it's yeah. time, to, time I, to perfection I, I very much come second in a battle I didn't realise I'd entered though to to Bittersweet Symphony man it was it was a good it was a good effort though it's still yeah. it's still clocking up the likes and the retweets so it's, who knows could explode it, a bang's a bang isn't it a bang's a bang right well uh, thank you for listening to the Fulhamish podcast today uh, we will be back uh, next Monday Jack is going to be hosting uh, a bit of a season review following the Newcastle game don't know if we're going to have another podcast after that that's still uh, TBC so next week could be a little bit of a season review I don't know what is what's there to review we lost 25 games and um, weren't very good uh, so thank you very much for listening today all we need to do is name the podcast um, Camram going to hand you the honours Durs Derpington well done my friends it's Man Bun debut it had to be after I mean that was literally the most interesting thing that happened in yesterday's game wasn't it it really was but boy bun you know he's not really a man is he he's a 16 year old boy come on (laughs) so we're gonna change it to boy bun debut i keep no go on go on we keep it keep it man bun debut man bun debut okay well well done does thank you for naming the podcast today Uh, as i said we will be back next monday uh make sure you check out one of cam's five thoughts which i imagine will be going up uh very shortly going home to rattle it out in a moment actually yeah man you are you work hard you too hard, hard sometimes you work very hard I'll do it cause. for the cause though the ish you know yeah. gotta keep it going big up the ish uh, have a great week uh, enjoy the rest of your bank holiday if you are in the UK uh, we will see you next Monday for the Newcastle game Cameron thank you very much thank you very much Sammy and we'll see you very soon come on you whites Acast powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a show we recommend. Hey, it's Maria Hinojosa here. And Julio Ricardo Varela. We are the co-hosts of the Roundtable podcast, In the Thick, where we talk about politics, race, and culture from a people of color perspective. That's right. Every Tuesday and Friday, we bring you the latest political news, covering the stories and issues that matter to communities of color with amazing POC journalists, activists, and academics from all over the country. So you're not going to want to miss our coverage because we have a lot of fun. We do. Which means that on election night, November 3rd, we are going to be hosting a live virtual show to give you the much needed POC perspective on this crucial night in our country. Follow us on social media at In The Thick Show to make sure you don't miss the updates and this live analysis. Subscribe to In The Thick wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST, A-cast. 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 recommends. recommends.